0: Yassas! Welcome to Greek Like Me, the podcast about all things Greek for Greeks, Hellenophiles, and anyone who's interested in learning about other cultures. I'm your host, Pamela D'Aiades-Wood. Email us at stealthgreek at gmail.com to share comments, questions, and stories about Greeks, Greekness, or your own ethnic background. On our Oji episode, the last week of October, We shared the bravery and determination of the Greek people, opposing Benito Mussolini's ultimatum, demanding passage through Greece for his fascist army. Greece's refusal signaled the start of the Greco-Italian War. The six-month opposition to Mussolini that kept Axis powers tied up in delayed strategic attacks on Russia, Britain, and Egypt and Libya, literally changing the course of the war. Greece and the diaspora rightly celebrate every year the country that would not be cowed, and the first victory against the Axis in the Second World War. There were so many fascinating details surrounding this pivotal day in history, and the months of resistance and battles won against the powerful Italian army that followed. They all deserve their own episodes. But we decided this week that the stories of the Greek women at the front lines in the early days of the war deserve a deeper dive. The role of the women in the mountain villages of the Pindus supporting the much smaller, ill-equipped Greek army. As their region was being invaded and their villages attacked, these women stepped up to fight back and keep the Greek army going. The women of the region of Epirus have been singled out as a fierce and relentless women. The Greek border with Albania is rocky, mountainous, sparsely populated with small isolated villages scattered throughout the mountainous region. Of course, now it's modernized, but back then, tiny little villages, far apart. Roads were narrow and precarious. The paths were so steep only goats and the most experienced mountain villager could manage them. This is where Italy decided to attack, expecting to push through the Pindus Mountains to seize Ipirus, the Ionian Islands, and occupy the northeastern region of Greece, Macedonia, then take the rest of the country. Desolation Road says capturing the mountain passes of the Pindus was crucial for the Greeks and the Italians in order to control the supply roads. As the Italians poured across the Albanian border into Greece, they attacked rural villagers as they went, seizing anything of value left behind by the fleeing villagers. These people, already dealing with cold wind and snow in the steep mountains, were taken in by neighboring villages. Most of the young men had already joined the fight, so children, the elderly, and the women were on their own, and the ones who were taking care of everybody and running things were the women. These were rural farm women. Sofia Tatido, in her paper, The Mobilization of Women During the greco Italian War, says these women were hardened and trained to do all sorts of male work. They worked all day in the fields with their husbands, usually walking back with firewood on their backs to start their housework and cooking, while the men rode back on donkeys. When Greece was threatened by the invading Italian army, no one asked these women to come and help. They were expected to stay home, maybe knit or roll bandages for the Greek Red Cross. Greek women, including during the years of the Metaxas dictatorship, were expected to always be demure, quiet, serving their home and their family. The Metaxas government even published documents over the years demanding it. When Greek women tried to enlist at the start of the war, wanting to fight for their country, they were refused and told to keep to their place as women. The women of the Pindus stood up and took it upon themselves to enter the fight as the support and was essentially the backbone of the Greek army in the early days of the war. The Greek soldiers weren't properly dressed for the wintry conditions of the Pindus Mountains. There hadn't been time to properly outfit them all many of them weren't accustomed to the mountains they fought bravely relentlessly against a much larger enemy force the terrain was so difficult steep rocky slippery with snow and ice even the pack animals had trouble maneuvering the paths the poor animals often slipped and fell the women stepped in to handle transport of supplies to the front Nikitis Zumberis, in his history of the Greco-Italian War, Ochi, the battle cry that led the Greeks to save the world, writes, They carried great loads, dragging and hauling ammunition, guns, materials, and supplies for long distances up the steep mountains. These women carried the injured and dead animals on their backs. In this way, they nursed back to health what animals they could and kept the narrow mountain paths clear for the soldiers and the women who were still carrying supplies up. The women transported munitions, but also food and clothing they'd often made or donated themselves for the soldiers. They moved on foot through snow and rough terrain where motorized vehicles and sometimes even mules couldn't go at all. Tornos News quotes a soldier named Takis Rantas who fought in the Pindus. These women of Ipirus are admirable. They would carry loads where no mules would have gone. They weren't bringing the supplies to army camps behind the scenes, either. They were bringing them to the front lines, literally into the line of fire. The war diary of Ariuris Balazos is cited in many articles and books relating to the battles of Pindos. He says, I have met women carrying ammunition. One of them was 88 years old. The snow, the frost, the terrible cold didn't seem to scare them. All of them, full of joy, wanted to supply the army with what the transport vehicles couldn't. Truly the miracle of women. Papros Brelis, a Greek artist who spent part of his youth in a Nazi prison, said of them, They defied the cold, the rain, the wind, the snow and ice, but also the bombshells, the hostile bullets, the airplanes. There's a photo of long lines of Greek women in wool stockings, mid-calf-length wool skirts and dresses, black kerchiefs on their heads, winding up a steep, snowy, rocky path with big bundles balanced on their shoulders or their backs. The description of the photo is as follows. Mothers went up the steep cliffs like the Panagia, carrying their blessing on their shoulders, they were heading to their sons. The wind was rocking them up and down, and untied their kerchiefs, beat their dresses, and whipped them. But they were walking like men on high mountains, stepping from stone to stone, going up in a line till you could see them no more, hidden in the clouds, still their heads held up high. Walking like men, fierce, determined, and brave, forget meek and demure. These women were badass. They surprised the men with the guts they had all along living tough lives in the rural mountain villages. A Greek cavalry sergeant told a New York Times war correspondent, there were times when every man was needed for fighting. So the women carried everything up the sides of the mountain. Many of them carry 70 and 80-pound packs on their backs. That's 32 to 36 kilograms. When they dumped their loads, they told the Greek soldiers to push the Italians into the sea. We weren't able to get permission to post the photo ourselves, so we'll have a link to the paper that used the photo in the podcast notes. The paper is about the history of the women of Ipirus from ancient times to the present by Eleni Balaska and two co authors. They credit the Artas History Museum, which I believe is the Skofas History Museum in Artas. If you scroll down to the history of World War II, the photo's there. There's a story about the village of Ndora. It tells of the women tying themselves with rope to carry cannons and trekking up a steep incline, quote, inaccessible even to goats. Tattilo says they carried all of this and more right up to the soldiers at the front. The women of Pindos became the pack animals. The danger of carrying these incredibly heavy weapons up these paths, then having to unload as the Italians fired on them. There's a Greek World War II poster of a painting of these women crawling up to the fighting, bombs exploding all around them. We couldn't post that either because somehow the image is owned by various outlets. But if you Google Greek World War II posters, you can find it. We'll keep trying to get our hands on it because it's awesome. The incredible feats of these women made the newspapers repeatedly. Pete Paleologos, so a war correspondent for Vima a Greek newspaper, filed a story on December 3rd, 1940, about the Battle of Tsipelova, a little over a month into the Greco-Italian War. A division of Greek soldiers was high up in the mountains. Their shoes were torn up by the sharp rocks. They hadn't eaten for four days. Their commander tried to radio their base, but the wires had been cut. He was only able to send his urgent request for food and shoes over a wireless that was picked up in a local village. The village would then pass on the message to headquarters. It would take several days to bring the needed supplies. A phone operator in the village that relayed messages back and forth from the front to headquarters gave a call out to the village. The women gathered whatever food and shoes they could find, packed them under their backs, and headed out to the battlefield. Desolation Road says the early successes of the Greek forces in driving back the Italians belongs in large part to the women of Pindos. Those men would have starved without these women. George Blitas, in his detailed history, The First Victory, Greece in the Second World War, writes, In the first critical days of the invasion, civilians carried out much of the transport of food, water, and ammunition. In many instances, the troops' rations were supplemented from the meager food supplies of the volunteers. And those volunteers were the women of Bindus. As for the shoes the women donated, many Greek soldiers during these winter battles in the mountains lost their feet to frostbite. The shoes the women would have provided would have been better equipped than the army-issue boots, because they were warm and protected from jagged rocks. The women of Pindus didn't come back from the front lines empty-handed. They carried injured soldiers back down these steep, rocky, slippery paths. If they were able to, they carried them to the back of the lines where the medical staff took care of them, or they would bring them home and nurse them themselves. They carried back the dead for decent burials. All this before packing up more supplies to carry up to the front line. At some point, the village of Tsipelova sheltered 300 soldiers, 10 to 15 per house. The women slaughtered all of the farm animals to feed the men. These animals were their most valuable possessions, their livelihood, how they fed their children and themselves, and they sacrificed everything to make sure the soldiers were taken care of first. The women from all the villages offered their homes, food, blankets, and clothing to the soldiers. After working long days, carrying heavy loads of provisions to the front, they would sit at night knitting socks, warm underwear and face masks for the soldiers, or mending their clothes, or sewing together new shirts and pants or blankets for them. They dedicated their everyday lives to the soldiers to help them to fight to free Greece. Greek reporter says they did not hesitate to give all their supplies of food, even to the horses of the army. Zumberis writes, when Greek soldiers were at their worst, civilians, which at this point were mostly women and the elderly, donated their personal animals and supplies to support the troops. The sacrifice was huge. Greece was a very poor country, the mountain villages even more so. These families in the villages depended on their animals and food supplies to survive, especially during winter. They sacrificed their safety, their well-being and their chances for survival for the sake of Greece. The women learned how to disassemble the guns and weapons they transported to make them easier to carry. They were then able to reassemble them if necessary when they reached the front, so the soldiers weren't distracted from their fight. Kumbetti says they often had to carry the heavy supplies up the mountain passes, over the crest of the peaks, and back down the other side to reach the soldiers, then climb back up with injured soldiers and animals over the crest and down again to the villages. I can't imagine the physical strength, the incredible mental strength, to do this work over and over again, through the winter storms in their skirts and dresses, then cooking food and sewing necessities for the soldiers, all while taking care of their children and their farms while their husbands fought and died in the war. On November 20, 1940, mere weeks after the start of the conflict, the women of the village of Limni showed their moxie in the face of invasion. They'd been doing their part for the war, and I wonder if that's why they were still some of the mountain women in the village when the soldiers invaded the Italians. Normally, warnings were sent ahead to allow villagers to evacuate. The enemy captured a dozen young women who had not yet escaped and were leading them to the village school to be held. A small band of Greek soldiers appeared, distracting the enemy soldiers. The women snatched up axes and chunks of wood from a nearby woodpile and attacked the Italian soldiers. With the help of their countrymen, they liberated the village. Ten of the invading soldiers were killed. Twenty five were taken prisoner. You don't mess with these women. As reinforcements came up or units were told to move forward, the women of Pintos helped soldiers to find the correct winding paths in the snow. They guided the soldiers while carrying supplies. And as if toting supplies, risking the front lines, and caring for the injured were not enough, the women of Pintu's took on the jobs that would have fallen to men if all of them weren't needed to fight. Every major newspaper in the United States ran stories about the women when deep snow almost brought the Greek army to a complete halt. An article by a New York Times war correspondent, reporting from the front lines, was printed on December 16, 1940. The roads that snaked around the Pindus were covered in four-foot drifts of snow. The temperature was near zero Fahrenheit, 18 degrees below Celsius. Tractors, mules, horses were struggling to get through. The unnamed reporter said that normally Greek transports move in an unending stream over narrow roads and bridges. These were the supplies brought in that the women would later truck up to the fighters. They couldn't get through. The reporter saw what he called scores of women labor gangs. The women armed with shovels cleared the roads for the transports. The St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch that week described the women in the heavy snow like this. Today we read about the Greek women, their faces wrapped in shawls, clearing the mountain passages with big snow shovels so the Greek infantry can pursue the Italians. The Greek army now had the momentum, driving the Italians back into Albania and taking Albanian territory. It was the women of Pindus who cleared the snowy roads so that the troops and their armaments could continue the assault. The women also helped the Greek army engineers build roads, repair roads, paths, and bridges. Several of the papers and articles I read referred to the eyewitness account of a soldier named Takis E. Papayanopoulos. Takis said the Greek army engineers were told it was critical to build a bridge over the fast-moving Volusa River. Everything they tried failed because of the strength of the rushing waters. They couldn't begin to build without their work being swept away. A large group of women went into the water, each one holding the necks tightly around the shoulders, so that they created a kind of breaker, a human dam against the running water, giving the engineers a chance to put in the foundations of the bridge. Women standing tightly together in the freezing, fast-running waters of the river until the engineers succeeded. And this wasn't the engineers' idea. This was the women just doing what was needed. Greek reporter says the brave women of the Bindus were a favorite feature of wartime newsreels. We tried to find them. If anyone has better luck, please let us know so we can share them. Newspapers loved printing photos of them. One article headlined in the New York Times in 1940 was, Those Greek Women, They Had a Reputation. The Pindus women were an inspiration and a rallying cry for the resistance that was to come when the Nazis overran Greece and when women nationwide began to pick up guns and fight against the enemy. But after all these hard-working women did to support the Greek army to succeed in battle, they're often forgotten. As Tornos' news says in their article, The Women of Epirus, many ignore the contribution of Greek women. Their voluntary and spontaneous offerings and self-sacrifices remain a largely unknown side of the war, but some toward the end of the 20th century made sure the Pintos women would be remembered. Frelis, a Greek sculptor and painter, created rooms of posed wax figures replicating scenes from the war, they're collected in the Veris Museum. In the 1990s, he created one showing the Pindos women and said his inspiration was the heroism, faith, boldness, courage, and endurance of those women who carried Greece on their shoulders and amazed the whole world. We've included a link to the museum so you can see the different diorama-like scenes put together covering all eras of Greek history. But the most famous tribute to the women of Pindus up to date is the 19 and a half foot tall steel statue by sculptor George Galas, That's six meters tall. It's located in Zayori, where the villages of many of the Pindus women were located. It's the figure of a woman in traditional village clothing, a long skirt and headscarf. She carries a large pack on her back, said to be a feta cheese can. For the non-Greeks, Greeks are serious about their feta. And in the old days, they'd buy a large, very large can that would last a long time in the farming villages I would guess they were making their own cheese to store in large cans to last the winter the closest I can compare them to are the barrels of feta our church buys for the annual festival these hold 20-something pounds of cheese they're big the women would use those to carry the clothes maybe ammunition whatever up to the front lines the monument stands at the edge of a bridge that runs to Kalbaki. The monument was erected in 1994, a Greek reporter says the monument to the women is long overdue because, along with the outnumbered Greek soldiers who were fighting in the snow and the mud, they symbolize the indomitable spirit of Greece that always stands tall and never surrenders. I wish we had more stories to share. Most of the articles repeat the same ones. We're trying to get our hands on more eyewitness accounts, Maybe a newsreel or two, and when we do, we'll be so happy to post an update. In the meantime, we'll share the translation for the war song by Pythagoras, uh, the women of Ipirus. Women from Ipirus walking in the snow and bearing bombshells. Women from Epirus walking in the snow and bearing bombshells. My God, how have you blessed them and they don't gasp for breath. Women from Ipirus, wonders of nature. Enemy, why didn't you ask whom you were about to conquer? Women from Yunina, from Suli, wonders of nature, enemy, why didn't you ask whom you're about to conquer? Women from the borders, daughters, old women, mothers, fire in the north wind. You must surely be mothers of freedom. We're going to be slowing down for the holidays and dropping episodes more sporadically until we get back to our normal schedule in the new year. We'll be taking time for research, doing a few interviews, and giving me a chance to properly clean my house, so my my, mana stops haunting me in the night. And after breakneck nine months of hard work, we're going to enjoy the holidays. Be safe, be well. Thanks for listening. Greek Like Me is a South Greek production. This episode was researched, written, and narrated by me, your host, Pamela Deodis wood Our producer, photographer, and post-production editor is Douglas John. Thank you, Eduardo Gill, for helping with the research. Visit our website at StealthCreek.com for resources, photos, links, and more. Please rate, like, and subscribe. It helps us get noticed so we can keep making content about Greeks and Greek culture. Find Greek Like Me on Facebook or on Instagram at Greek underscore like underscore me. See you next time. Yasas.